Hi, my name is Brindley Oswalt. I attend the West Haven campus. Today's scripture reading is Deuteronomy 6, 4-7. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Now let's jump into the message. All right, we thought that it would be fitting to have our kids read our Bible verses for us during this series that's going to be on parenting, and so I am glad to be here with you guys today. My name is Eric Sitterud. I'm the lead pastor here at Alpine Church in Riverdale, and so today we're going to jump right into the Survival Guide for Parenting. This is going to be a three-week series, and today we'll talk about putting God first, and we'll talk about discipline, and then we'll talk about affirming your kids. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about being a parent, right? And if one of our core values is to look to God and His Word and all that we do, we certainly should go and find out how God says to be a good parent. Now, maybe some of you are just tuning out right now because you're like, I don't have any kids yet, or my kids are, are grown, right? But I think this applies to every one of us, right? Whether we have kids or not, we probably know someone that could use this conversation, or uh, if you're, you're a human being, then you're a child of a parent, and you learn what the Bible says about being a child, and maybe you're going to look back at your, your life when you grew up, and you're going you're gonna to say, hey, did my parents do this, or hey, was I uh, following uh, God's commands in being a kid, what the Bible says to the children in the Bible, you know, and and and. And so I believe this is going to be for everyone because these principles are also universal, not just in parenting, but every part of our lives, especially today's topic, which will be putting God first. And my first point is this. Parenting is like everything else in life. If you put God first the rest of it falls into place. Now, I know that's like a, just a blanket general statement, right? Put God first and everything will work out, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you, you put God first in your life, that everything in your life's gonna work out the way you wanted it to, and that it's gonna be really easy, because that's not the truth. I, I'm here to tell you right now that when you put God first in your life, it will be hard. It will go against your nature. It will, and, 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 and in parenting, it will be hard. Parenting is hard in and of itself, right? Because you've got this other human being um, that, that came from you and probably inherited all of yours and my bad characteristics and personalities, along with a few of the good ones, okay? And so now, not only do you have to deal with your own self and your own nature trying to put God first, but now you're trying to put God first in another disobedient human's life. <laughs> As we can all attest to, you know, especially if you have teenagers, like right when they hit that, you know, that age of being a teen, they, they suddenly know more than you. And you're like, how did this happen, right? Was I like this? And you're in denial, right? You're like, I wasn't like this, you know, I didn't treat my parents like this, but the reality is, is you probably did, I did, right? And so I want to, I, I kind of want to tell you 
as I stand up here, you know, today, you know, giving this message, I want you to understand that I am not a perfect parent, okay? I uh, have failed many times in my life, and I still am trying to grow in this area. And so as we talk about parenting today, you know, sometimes I can get a little bit passionate, and, and it might sound like I'm, you know, above or, or better than, but I want you to understand that's not the truth. What, what really is from my heart is that I love you guys. I love each and every one of you in this room today, and, and God's Word has a lot to say, and sometimes, um, especially in this country I, I, and in this world, I believe that God's Word, even in some churches, can get drowned out by kind of the you know, the, the prosperity message of health and wealth and God wants the best for you and everything's going to go well in your life and all this type of stuff. And I do know that God wants the best for you, but sometimes that doesn't feel like it's the best for you because it's not what you wanted. And so I say all that to say that I am learning with you here today as we talk about parenting. Now, the verse that was read is, is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and so we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 6, and we're going to look at um, how when God chose this nation of Israel, how did he tell them to parent, right? How did he tell them to pass down this love for God from generation to generation? And so the key verse was uh, these verses that we call the Shema, and Shema in Hebrew means to listen. We did a series on this. Uh, many months ago, but the Shema says this, and it's kind of summary of what's most important. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on in this book. Um, at this time, Moses, the guy who parted the Red Sea, right? The guy who was in, involved with the, the plagues that God sent to Egypt to free his people from slavery to get them to the promised land. Now, Moses' job was to take these guys, this whole, probably a million people or so, and to take them through this desert away from Egypt to this land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised them that he was going to give them, right? But the problem was is that along the way, as Moses, as the spiritual father of all these people, they began grumbling, complaining, and moaning, and not wanting to be obedient, right? And have you ever had that, like, you know, on a trip somewhere, like going into Walmart, or, you know, on a road trip where you thought it was going to be just this easy trip, but it turned out that that along the way, sometimes you just don't get along and, and you don't want to be obedient to your parents, kids, or you think that they're lame and, and they, they want to keep the windows up, but you want them down, right? Parents, raise your hands if you're one of those tyrants, right, that locks the window on a road trip, right? I, I do the same thing. <laughs> I have done that before, right? So Moses and a million people are wandering through the desert should have took them 11 days or 12 days to get there, and it takes them 40 years because of their wandering, because they couldn't get along, because they wouldn't listen to God, and they wouldn't put him first, okay? And so what happens then is that, you know, some things go down, and, 
And Moses gets mad at them, and, and they make some idols and start worshiping an idol instead of God. And, and so God basically says, okay, you guys kind of blew it. This generation isn't going to make it to the promised land. It's going to be the, the next generation. And so, so basically the older generation dies off as they're walking around in the wilderness. And now it's the younger generation, all the kids that had grown up, and they're about to finally go. It's the end of this 40 years, and they're about to go into the promised land. And now Moses has to go retell everything that he's already told the first generation. That's what the, the, the meaning of the book of Deuteronomy, the word means really the second law or telling the second law or telling the law again. And what he's doing is kind of telling the commandments of God again, right? What's important, what you need to focus on, because God wants you to be a people about him that puts him first, right? And so back in chapter 5, he, he, he retold the Ten Commandments story, right? Now, a lot of people know the Ten Commandments, and, and this is a familiar thing. Even if you're not a churchgoer, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Well, this was God instituting some boundaries for his people so that they could remain righteous, so that they could have blessing, right? So that they could... Live. I mean, God created human beings. He knows what's best for us, right? And so a lot of these are very practical. Don't murder, right, makes a lot of sense, right? It's just bad, right? It's just not a good thing to do uh, to kill people, okay? It makes sense, right, to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not covet, right? And, but God, it's interesting how in, in the commandments, it's almost like 1 through 10, there's like an order of importance. And if you remember when, when in the New Testament, Jesus was asked, hey, and they were testing him, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus summed, was summing this up, and he said, the first is to love God, and he's quoting the Shema, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment, and the second is to love your, the na your neighbor as yourself. And so in the Ten Commandments, that's really what we see. Those first four are about God, our relationship with God. That's our vertical relationship with God. God wants to be God alone. He wants to be preeminent in our lives. There should be no other gods before him. As a matter of fact, there are no other gods, but sometimes we make them up, and so therefore we shouldn't have idols and other things that we worship, not to misuse his name, right? And then to remember to devote a day for him, right? A day for him and rest. And then we get to the fifth one, which is one I'm going to talk about in just a little while, but it's the honor your parents. It's kind of this transitional, but you can see that God wants us to love him first and love others. And if you'll do that, that's what he was telling the Israelites, and it still applies to us today. Now, there's a question, right? The question is, do, we, do Christians have to follow the Ten Commandments? Because Jesus came, and that's called the New Testament, the New Covenant. And so we're saved by faith alone, not by works, right? And so we don't go do these things to make God love us, but yet it's always been the case that we've been saved by faith because Abraham became, came before Moses and God told Abraham it was by faith. But when Moses came, this was more about obedience for his people so that they could get the blessing. As I said before, God created us. He knows what's good for us. He knows if we want to have 
somewhat of a, a, a good life that we would follow his words, right? There's promise in that, okay? And so for Christians, we don't do these things or abstain from things or follow things or be religious to get God to love us. It is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, but, but for the forgiveness of our sins. And so what, what do we need forgiveness for? For not doing these things, for not following God, for not putting him first, but yet when you become a follower of Jesus, God still wants us to put him first and to love others first, and there are certain things that God has laid out in his word, and if you will just follow these, if you'll stay on the path, if you will read my word, if you will listen to me and be obedient, then you can, you can bypass so many trials in your life. It doesn't mean you'll bypass them all. But you can get along, and, and, and I wish I would have really believed this at a young age. You know, I wish I would really have believed that God's way was better than my own. But it took a lot of trial and error, right? I know a lot of you guys can relate with me. It took a lot of trial and error to finally get to the point where we were like, God, okay, I need you. My way is not the way. Your way is the way, right? And so at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses says this, if you will stay on the path that your Lord God has commanded you to follow, then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Okay, so he's just saying, stay on the path, trust the Lord, be involved with him and his word and put him first, and then you'll live long and prosperous lives in the land, okay? And I'm not talking about a perfect life and health and wealth and all of that. I'm talking about there is blessing in just following the practical commands of God. But then in, in, in Matthew 6.33, fast forward into the New Testament, Jesus um, kind of reiterates some of this same language where he's talking to these people that are all anxious about things, right? Because we get anxious about stuff in life. Like, where am I going to get my food? Where am I going to get my clothing? You know, like, how are we going to survive? How are we going to live? And so I've got to do this, that, and the other. And Jesus is basically saying, look, all of that stuff that you're worried about, God knows you need it. If you will just put God first... If you will seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, means to follow his ways and stay on the path, then he will give you everything that you need. Now, this is a verse, it gets, it gets used often, and I wonder, do we really believe this? I mean, even in my own life, I've wondered, you know, do I really believe that if I put God first, he'll actually take care of those things that I'm worried about, right? And I think we should test that right? We should test that in our lives. If we try to put God first, will he take care of my job situation? Will he take care of me uh, wanting to find a spouse? Will he take care of my kids, the things that are going on in the world? Like, if I put him first, do I really have to worry about all this stuff, right? Because in our worry, we tend to go after other things and put them as more important than God. God's saying, just stay on the path. Consider me in everything, right? This means that we should consider God in our lifestyle, in our budget, in our hobbies, in our career, in our dating, everything we choose to do, back to our core value. We ought to look to God 
in his word as first priority, right? And prioritizing God as, as preeminent or first in our lives, it means that we trust him and love him and want to follow the things that he said for us to do. So moving on to the second point then, then the command to obey, as we talked about that fifth commandment that it said honor your parents, right? And obey and follow God. This applies to everybody in all time, every generation, right? Parents obey kids and kids ought to obey the parents. Let's go back to this 10 commandments slide, right? So we talked about loving God and loving others, but then there's this, 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 command to honor your parents, and it goes on to say, and, and you will live long in the land, and it will go well with you if you will honor and obey your parents. Now, it sounds like that that's all on the kids, right? Like, man, the kids, like, let's get our kids out of kids' church right now so they can hear this one point that you need to respect and honor your parents, right? If there's one thing that I quote a lot to my kids, it's this one, and maybe sometimes out of context, and maybe sometimes I'm trying to <laughs> manipulate. But the reality is, um, it's this transition, transitional role because even though this is involved with relationships, there's something interesting about this command. You see, if you think about a baby, an infant, a toddler, they don't really understand the concept of God yet. Right? But they do understand the concept of authority and respect and honor um, because they have someone that they can see in their lives, and that's their parents. Right? And so, so as much as this is for kids, this is a role that God is giving to parents to accept responsibility for. Right? And so when we don't have our kids follow the fifth commandment, we're breaking the fifth commandment. It's not just them, it's us, right? When we don't teach our kids, hey, God gave me this role and I am accountable for how I raise you, how I teach you, the things I allow you to do, the people allow, I allow you to hang out with. If I don't take responsibility for that, then I am not withhold, upholding the fifth commandment. You know that word honor there, maybe you've heard this word. The, the original word is kavod. And it's this weightiness. And it's a weightiness that is ascribed to God and God alone. But in the commandment, God gives a weightiness to the parents when he says, honor your parents. So parents, I say for you and, and me today that we ought to live up to this commandment that God says, take seriously. We ought to train our kids to honor us and respect us, right? Tim Keller says this. It is respect for parents that is the basis for every other kind of respect and every other kind of authority. You know, I heard this from another preacher, like um, a practical example of this is, is, is if you're dating, like if you're single here today or you're thinking about dating, um, do not date a person who hasn't shown um, and modeled and exampled in their life love and respect and honor for their parents. Because if a person cannot honor and respect 
the, the God-given role that he gave to parents over children, then how will they respect any other authority figure in their lives? Parents, we are training our kids to take this on from generation to generation, to live as godly members of society, to respect certain authorities in our lives. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we raise up our kids and then they, they get old enough to go to school and then we wonder why we're getting phone calls, and I've had them, trust me. We wonder why we're getting phone calls from the school, like, hey, so-and-so's in the office today, so-and-so did this, and they won't listen. And we look at them like, what's your problem, bro? Come on, man. Like, but the reality is, is it reflects back on me, you know? It reflects back on us, and sometimes we get embarrassed by that, and then we get even more angry at them because we're embarrassed, but we shouldn't do that. We should really examine our hearts in this one and say, yeah, this is on me. I've got a a weighty role in my kids' lives to teach them to respect and honor authority. God has always wanted society to be um, healthy, and the way that societies are healthy are through families accepting their roles as parents, right? And passing down the commandments of God, right? Passing down what they learn, passing down a love for God, right? In Deuteronomy 6, as we move on to the next chapter, it says this, these are the commands, decrees, regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. You and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. God's plan was always this multi-generational training, discipleship, right? This, 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 this training that we would be godly parents who would raise godly kids who would raise godly kids who would raise godly kids. Now, I think about this when I think about this country, you know, what seemingly was a Christian nation, all right? And slowly and slowly, every year, you look at statistics, and the rate of faith in God and Christianity is going down, down, and down further. And finally, I, I think it was last year I heard that America is now uh, a non-Christian nation because they are not the majority anymore. And whose fault is that? I mean, seriously, you know, like, we look around at the world and we're mad at other people, but, but really, like, we were given this God-given role to, to, to generationally make disciples out of our kids, and so... As we see the country go in more and more secular and more and more away from God and, and the morals are being legislated into our government, the immorality, right? And we get mad at them, but do we look back at our own hearts? Like, this is tough, you know? Do we look back at, you know, me claiming to be a Christian? Did I... Am I raising up kids that are going to go be warriors out there for Christ, right? And that, that put God first? 
Now, we can't just, like, shove it down our kids' throat either, you know, right? And I know how it is. You know, I come from a family where, you know, some of us are saved and some of us aren't, you know? And so I know how it is, right? We don't have full control over a kid's salvation and whether they'll listen to God's words and follow him. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. But that's not a promise. That's really just a principle. If we will train up our kids, hopefully they will, right? But ultimately, it's God who's got to get their hearts. But this is something that passes on, even into the New Testament. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Paul reiterates, and he says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you, and you will have a long life on the earth. But what I wanted to say is, again, it sounds like this is all on the kids, but just like our relationship with God isn't based on solely his authority alone and his title and his role. Although God is worthy of our worship and praise just because of who he is, God went above and beyond his title to show us that he loves us. And he won our hearts by acts of love, ultimately by sending his son to come down and die on the cross to be the sacrifice for every time we haven't obeyed God and haven't obeyed our parents and have broken every one of those other commandments that God has given. He won our hearts by proving it, right? He didn't just come down and say, you must believe in me and not do anything for us, but he loved us. He made himself lower than us, a servant, and died for us, right? And so for parents, what does this mean? This means that we have to win their hearts, not just legislate rules into their lives and not just tell them what to do and try to make them obey. But we've got to take the laws of God and the love of God and train our kids up in the way that they should go. We want them to do it out of their heart, not out of duty. None of us can do anything out of duty, right? All that leads to is guilt, shame, and condemnation. When we try to follow God and his word in our own power, and our own strength, thinking that that's what makes us right with him and he'll be proud of us if we do these things. No, we know that God loves us in spite of all the things that we've done. And that's exactly how our parenting ought to be as well. This unconditional love that no matter what our kids have done, we love them and we want the best for them. And ultimately, we want them to know God. And so that's my last point. Wholehearted obedience should impact every part of our lives, both personally and as a family unit. Let's go back to the Shema. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Now, if someone just says to you, love God, you're like, how do I do that, right? Like, like practically, I want to. I want to love God, but I just don't know how. And he's saying, commit yourselves, right? There's a, there's a little bit of a a disciplining that has to happen, right? And so we call those disciplines, spiritual disciplines help us 
grow closer to God because left to our own devices without a disciplined life, we will fall into our own desires and not put God first. And so here's what a personal discipline looks like to love God, right? We've got to be talking to him. Just like if you were in a relationship, in a dating relationship, in a marriage, with your kids, with a friend, you spend time with them, right? Relationships can't happen without time and, and spending time and getting to know each other. Well, that's what prayer is. It's talking to him, telling him your heart, right? Revealing yourself to him. And reading the Bible is learning more and more about him, right? Understanding the, just the, the wonderful mysteries of God will cause you to love him more and more and more. And then serving, as Bill said earlier, joining in and serving people out of a love for God and telling them about Christ and making disciples out of people will in turn cause you to just love God more and more as you see God not only work in your life but other people's lives. Let's go on in the... It doesn't end there, though, with just this personal thing, right? Because we got to love others, and we're talking about parenting. And so it says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. And here's what he goes on to say after that. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. And so as a parent, for us, we've got to teach our kids these spiritual disciplines to be able to learn to love God for themselves, right? We can't expect them to just do it on their own. We do have to kind of be there reminding them, nudging them, pushing them, challenging them as we need in our own lives, as adults even. But we can't expect our kids to just get this on our own, and that's one of the things that God is saying. Talk about it all the time. When you're with your family, Teach them. Repeat these things. When they go to bed, pray with your kids. That's, that's a thing that, you know, I, I fail time and time again. You know, you get tired, right? Like you had a long day at work and, you know, you want to talk about God or you want to open the Bible, you want to pray with them, and, uh, but you, you choose not to. It's so easy, right? It's so easy not to do these things. And it's okay, right? I know that God, he loves us and he forgives us anyway, and he's going to help us along the way. But if we want to make kids that are fully, wholeheartedly obedient, that love God and can go and change the world, then we've got to take this responsibility of, of, of the role that God gave us to train up our kids. I was sitting down with my uh, my, my family, and we were having a devotional time the other night, and, uh, and I get kind of irritated a little bit, you know, when, when we get distracted by things in the world, right? What's going on in politics and YouTube and school and, you know, the, the normal things that kids fall into, want to be popular, and the way they dress and the things that they, you know, and... and, and and I, I don't know what it is, but God was kind of, as I was reading through Deuteronomy, I wanted to, um, these verses just really hit us, right? And so we read these verses uh, in Deuteronomy 30 towards the end, right? When they're about to go into the promised land, Moses tells them, 
something very important. He says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. The Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's telling them, like, I got to go. I'm not going to make it, guys. I'm going to pass away. And I am telling you the most important thing that you need to know as you go on without me. This is the key to your life, that you would hold fast to the Lord. And that was something that we talked about at our last devotional. I said, kids, I don't care what you do with your life, right? All the things that we make important, career, college, grades, sports. I said, I don't care what you do with your life as long as this is the first thing that you do, that you choose life. This is the key to your life, that you would love God, that you would obey him, and that you would commit yourself to him for the rest of your life. And I just pray as parents that we could do that as we raise our kids up and they're about to leave our home. Do they know, did we train them up with the most important things before they left? It reminds me of uh, in the New Testament, Paul, he had planted all these churches and he, he gathered his, his church guys together, the elders, and, and he says this, it's the same thing. He's not going to go with them. He's leaving them now. They're grown up. they got to go do their own thing. And he says this, Therefore I testify to you this day, I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I didn't shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. And what he's saying is, look, if, if these people are, go on and they, they fall away, or if they don't believe, or if some grow up and, and they die and they go to hell... It's not my fault because I did everything I could to share the whole counsel of God with them. And know that we would do that with our kids. But the hard thing about this is that we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We can't teach them to obey. We can't obey. We can't follow God. As a matter of fact, Here's what Jesus says. He said, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. <laughs> the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And you know what? That is so true. We think that we can do this in our own power. And then we live in guilt and shame when we don't do it. But really, it goes back to that principle. When we put God first, the spirit works his, his life out of us as we give it to our kids. And ultimately, the only way that we can get this life and pass it on is if we have it ourselves as parents. Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. No one can come to him. No one can go to the Father except through Jesus. Will we pass on Jesus to our kids? Will we put God first and live our lives as he is, is the most important? 
Will we love our kids like Jesus loved us, that he would sacrifice his own life so that we could be in relationship with him? We can be empowered through faith in Christ and his spirit to be good parents and to put God first, finally, through faith in him alone. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for being a good father. Even, you know, some of us today, I, we didn't have the perfect family upbringing, Lord. And as, as some of the fathers in here today, we, we don't compare to you at all. No one compares to you, God. But as we think about being your church and, and Christian men and women and parents and kids, God, let us take this this command that you've given us, Lord, and let us do it wholeheartedly to love and obey you. Give us a love for you, a revival in our hearts, as we said before, a love for you that just comes out in everything that we do, God. We need you. We can't do this. We can't do this. The flesh is no help at all. So we need you, God. Give us love for you, I ask, as we walk out of here today. Let that be the number one thing on our minds is loving you back for all the love that you showed for us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.